Welcome to another great edition of Talking Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined as always by Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger, my always formidable co-host. And we have got a really good one for you this week. We're just going to call it the Love Purple, Live Gold podcast, because if you love purple, uh, plenty of them have been just living in the gold this week. And we're going to get to that. We're going to get to uh, what we think might be our defensive uh starting roster and the depth chart and all that and just some some other you know regular stuff some lanyap to get into uh but before we do uh wanted to bring in the co-host see how you guys are doing i gotta be honest i actually ended up watching a little bit more olympics towards the end uh it was it was fun to watch i saw plenty of tigers winning gold which you know we kind of going to talk about but uh i don't know it was kind of good i kind of fall away from the olympics in the last I don't know, a dozen or so years, but it was uh, it was good to get back into it. Uh, I felt bad for Tokyo because they, you know, they couldn't really have any fans there. But uh, for all in all, you know, all intents and purposes, they put on a good Olympics. It was nice to see some Tigers get some gold. And um, oh, by the way, uh, LSU football has already begun fall practice, so mm-hmm. there's that as well. How you guys doing? Good. Glad to uh, glad to have LSU back in, back in the pads. I've seen a lot of the videos, so that's exciting. And uh, we're what like three weeks away from the first game, so yep. I'm ready to. Uh, sadly, I'm not going to make it the trip. Well, actually, I don't know about sadly. I don't know if it's going to be. A, I don't know if it'd be a fun trip to really go to LA for this Rose Bowl game. But absolutely, it would be. Well, I, I mean, I guess if they if they like let you go, <laughs> that's kind of the thing I would be worried uh, about. Right. But um, either way, I'm excited to watch them. So we're getting we're we're counting down the days, pretty much. Yep, doing good. Um, like Tommy said, closing in on the start of football season seemed like it was a long ways away, but here we are. I also like to give a, a quick happy birthday to our host Scott Gerard. Happy birthday, Scott! Oh, thank you, thank you. That's right. Another happy year birthday. older. Spent over two good years of his life hosting this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and so hopefully we'll uh, celebrate with a, a good one. And many more. <laughs> uh, thank you, guys. Yeah, it's, it's been uh, it's been a great birthday weekend. You know, I like to, as Leos, we like to celebrate as much as we can. Love talking tigs with you guys. So uh, let's get down to it. So just a little, I guess, a follow-up from what we've already talked about, and that's um, Miles Brennan, which most everyone knows now is injured. He's going to have surgery on his arm, and... I guess you could say there was some speculation on to how that injury, you know, officially happened. Uh, I mean, there wasn't, it wasn't a crime, so we couldn't get, really get like a police report on it, but <laughs> I, I guess we're just going to go with his, his dear old dad's word in that um, I guess miles was getting ready for a fishing trip. He wasn't, you know, like slinging the rod yet necessarily. He wasn't deep sea fishing, trying to pull in like a 600 pound Marlin. He was just getting ready for the fishing trip and his uh i guess his his flip-flop got caught on a uh maybe an an upward nail on the dock and something he just tripped and well bless his heart he he broke his arm and all that and i i, I don't know <laughs> i'd i i want to say is this really the story but then if you look, look back at miles and some of the stuff he's posted where he's doing like you know push-ups in the wood and bench, bench presses with like tree trunks it's like you could see, yeah. I, I guess I could kind of buy that. So I don't know. What do you, what do you, what do you guys make of this explanation, and how Cajun is that? <laughs> it's uh, like you said, a very strange story. You, you hear about these athletes getting hurt in like really weird ways. 
like was it John Smoltz who like hurt himself by ironing his he shirt, while, his shirt yeah. while he was wearing it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, we can add Miles Brennan to this list. It, the story's legit. I don't really know why he would be kind of making up all these details if it wasn't. Right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it sucks that it happened in that way, and I'm sure he's devastated. Uh, having year after year of his LSU career kind of cut short. But yeah, hopefully he comes back. And he was talking. Miles Brennan's dad was talking about him. Uh, being throwing the football in two weeks uh, and being like full ready to go in three months. So that would put him kind of like mid November. Uh, so whether that happens or not, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but I guess I wish him the best on his recovery. Yeah. I, I have to say that. I don't know if I buy this story. I, um, I know there are a lot of rumors going around about miles and what he's been doing this summer and everything. I mean, you know, some people say he, he that, that he was you know drunk on a boat or whatever and had an accident and like I think that if that's true which I don't know if it is or not but if that's true it makes sense to me like why you might say like well no he was fishing he like fell you know by doing it's like that story would make sense it's like well that's better than saying like oh he was just hammered and like had an accident so I feel like you know whatever it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter how he got injured because the fact is he's injured he's he's out and um but I don't know. I, I remember, like we said, uh, we we talked about this one of the fir- one of our first podcasts, like the first season we ever talked about. We talked about um, you know the future of LSU and like Miles Brennan and, and w- whether he could take the take the take the job um, from Joe when when Joe left. And the big critique of Miles was always like he was not a hundred percent or 110% focused on football and whether he fell, you know, on a fishing trip or whether he fell because he, you know, was drunk or whether he just fell, you know, doing whatever it, I mean, I, I, I hate to say it. I just, I don't think that he's a hundred percent. I think that, that that's your answer right there. Yeah. There's a reason why, why Max is, you know, was, was, doing all like the after after practice you know workouts and working out with the guys on saturdays and all that yeah so i i having said that i i would have to agree with you tommy just the explanation seems awkward at best so my thought is if you present that is the reason of why your son is no longer in contention for a starting spot on a you know a major D1 program like that's what happened in his offseason because you know the NFL like they have stuff in their contracts that uh, prohibits their star players from engaging in activities that might you know like yeah you can't go skiing like football players <laughs> right. are not allowed to go skiing yeah right so but, you know you can't do that in college but it's like you would think all right well maybe my quarterback knows what's at stake and he's not going to go skiing in Vail in you know march or april when the snow's still good but what we have here is a i guess a plausible story of this good old country boy going fishing but i I don't know it's just the the fact that that his dad like you said went into intricate detail about his flip-flop and his falling over and he thought it was a bruise but turns out it was a a broken arm that needs surgery i don't know it's like that that explanation to me seems so dumb how could it not be true? Like, how could all these meeting of the minds of him and his dad and potential agent or NIL rep, whatever, even, I don't know if someone from LSU kind of was in on this, uh, the formulation of this explanation, but how could that be the best that they could come up with? Like to me in that, in that situation, less is more. You just say, ah, you know, he was just 
doing something and you know he fell and hurt his arm it's it's just a trick thing it's like like saying oh he's wearing flip-flops on the dock you know it just invites it invites speculation Mm -hmm. more than anything so i I don't know it it, to me it doesn't really matter all i know is miles is out and we are reliant upon uh garrett neusmeyer possibly god forbid anything happened to max johnson but you know we don't have to worry about that until it happens but uh just very odd indeed right (laughs) and then we don't think i mean i don't i don't think will mile will we ever see miles burden take another staff for lsu absolutely oh you think so absolutely later this year when he's when his non-throwing arm is healed yeah he'll enter the game and maybe mop up duty or uh you know something like that but well his his dad said like somebody asked him about whether miles was going to transfer and he said absolutely not like he's like a loyal lsu tiger and he's not going anywhere which seemed pretty definitive uh maybe he likes his chances coming back but i think i agree with you like he's gonna get like one kind of like celebratory snap at the end but maybe meaningful playing time maybe not that's kind of the thing it's like i don't know this you know what this kind of reminds me of not the same obviously like not the same like legal scenario but like a similar kind of situation of the two quarterbacks it was like when in 2011 when jordan jefferson was kind of the presumed starter then he got in like trouble with the bar fight or whatever and then he was out. He couldn't play up until like what was it the Bama game? After, well, at- no, no, I'm sorry, you're right. No, it was the Bama game because he came in like he mid- came in like late, right? Yeah. That's so one, yeah. So like, you know, like it, it's kind of one of those. Th- it, it's kind of one of those things where now I think Jarrett Lee and Jefferson were a lot closer. Well, actually, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe, actually, I don't know. That might. Maybe Max and Miles were are, are neck and neck. We don't really know. But I, I wonder if we might get into one of those situations again. Because I remember when, when Jefferson became available, they cleared him of whatever wrongdoing or the fight or something like that. Um, I remember people being like, oh, like, well, we need to stick with Lee. Like, he's the guy, who, he's the, the, the horse that got us here. And then other people were like, well, no, Jefferson would have been the starter from day one. Like, we need to give it to him. He's the better quarterback. So, like, I wonder – I almost, like, want to say no. Like, he should not – like, we do not need to play him because I don't want to – because we all know how that ended up. Mm-hmm. So, I, I kind of wonder about that. Yeah, but I think the – I guess the difference in the situation is Max has some games under his belt, and he um, – I, I think he was – leading before that injury happened, you know, as, as all those behind the scenes would probably uh, mm-hmm. attest to and swear by, uh, you know, according, you know, especially to what coach Orgeron has said. Um, but I, I would say, I don't think miles is out of it because, you know, he, he is a fighter and he wants to play for LSU, whatever at this point though, I think at this point, whatever he can get. You know, it's like he yeah. loves LSU. He didn't want to leave. So whatever he can get, he'll take. And I, I could see him fighting just to get ready to, you know, back up Max, just to take a few knees in, in a game if he has to, you know? Yeah. Well, he did that. He did that with Joe. Yeah, exactly. Um, but lucky for us, that's only like the weird, the weirdest news of, out of LSU this week. Cause everything else is, uh, pretty much been positive. I mean, they the, the football team has started practice. There's been a lot of good videos. Of course, you know, everyone looks good without the pads on. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to take anything really substantive from that. But 
I don't know. I was going to ask you guys. I, I watched some of it. You know, a lot of it looked good. You can tell, like the the new hires, the new coaching hires, they're they're focusing really on some specific detail. Like uh, I saw DJ Mayhem. He had some arm pads on, working with mm-hmm. the wide receivers, trying to get them to slap hands away. You know, just very attention to detail stuff, which you love to see. Um, but I, um, I also saw like Jack Beck working at tight end and yeah, and he, you know, he looked great in, you know, without, without pads on running around, but like he looked really quick for a tight end. He looked like he was a, like a wide receiver at tight end. And I think that's, if no one's going to be like a, a breakout star for the offense that you may not have expected to me, it would be that guy. Yeah. I, we, you know, we talked about him last week with our breakdown. So if y'all haven't seen, if y'all haven't listened to the, uh, you know, the, the full breakdown of the offense, like go back to last week's podcast, but I kind of agree. I, I think he's somebody who you might, I think, I think he's going to be like a situational type guy where yeah, I don't know if he'll be an every down kind of guy, but when he comes in, you'll be like, Oh man, like, you know, the, I think the ball might go to him. Cause he does have that. He does have that, uh, that special kind of skill set and build that, um, you know, I think, I think lends himself to, to making, bigger plays yeah and also just uh as another follow-up from last week uh we found out that nick storts uh unfortunately is gonna have to step away from the football team they they said it was a medical issue i don't know what it is but obviously you know he feels like it's in his best interest to to step away in the best mm-hmm. interest of his own personal health which you know you have to you know you have to support the guy on so with that you know there's going to be one less now we're down to like one tight end. Yeah. yeah. Cole, Taylor, Cole Taylor. And then a project like behind him. Like Jack yeah. Bash. Do you yeah, want to talk about I this mean, uh, defense? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, I saw there's plenty of great interviews, a lot of good uh, talk amongst the players and the coaches. Uh, you know, there was, you know, what was somewhat said during the, uh, you know, the SEC media days. But we said that we were going to go over the depth chart and we can do that. I think though that uh, you know, considering this is DBU, we should probably start with with that. Um, so, and you could honestly, we could honestly, we could probably skip Roman numeral one, which is what <laughs> be the starting DBs because you, you, everyone knows who that's going to be. It's going to be number seven and number one. Yep, Derek Stingley and Elias Ricks, respectively. Right? Uh, I can't imagine anyone either inside the program or out that would uh, uh, dispute that. Uh, so now I guess we could start with who do you think would be backing them up? Because, you know, there's going to be some, you know, some substitutions uh, in, in everything that would happen in the course of a season. So who do you guys see as uh, directly backing up uh, Elias Ricks and or Derek Stingley? Well, like you said, they're going to be the kind of, strength we're going to need to, to lean on a little bit over most of the season. The secondary got torched last year, especially at the beginning of the season. And that's kind of not the quality of play you want to see with these caliber of players. They didn't play together. Uh, everybody looked lost at times, oh, even, yeah. even our best players were like, what in the world are we doing here? Um, so we need them to come together and behind Stingley and Rick's, uh, Dwight McLaughlin had some good moments uh, at the end of last year. So he'll probably be one of the primary fill-ins as well as a uh, Cordell Flott, who's been a rotational guy for the past two years, even on the 2019 uh, championship team. So 
I mean, that's four you can rotate in. And then after that, we're a little bit thin at the position, uh, a little bit raw. And so we're going to have to stay pretty consistent. Um, I'm more worried about the safety position, but do you have anything on the corners, Tommy? Um, well, I think I think that Cordell Flott's going to be your nickel man, and we'll see a lot of him. Um, yeah. Because, like you said, yeah, our two our two, you know, boundary corner or you know, boundary corners are are covered. We get the two best ones in the country, but LSU is going to want to go a lot, um, go with a lot more, you know, DBs on the field than just the just the standard four. So. I think uh, Flot will be will be your nickel man, and he's been pretty good uh, at that. He's you know he played there last year a lot, um, kind of subbed in. I think it was kind of between him and Jay Ward, but of course we'll get to that in a second. Jay Ward get, yeah. gets moved to safety. So um, the other one to watch out for, I actually think, is uh, Ray Darius Jones. He played a little bit towards the end of last season. He's the guy out of Horn Lake, Mississippi. Um, He's good. I liked him a lot last year. Uh, I think he only played like in one or two games. Um, it was, like I said, it was towards the end of the season. might've been old Miss, but um, I thought I, I liked the way I thought he looked good, especially for being like a young guy, you know, who you wouldn't have thought. I remember when we recruited him and people were kind of high on him, but he was also kind of recruited as an athlete. I think he played quarterback at, in high school. So, um, you know, I think, I think that he's one to look at as maybe, uh, one of those, like a corner you might get to see again. Right. Uh, and Daniel, I, I definitely feel your uh, concern about the, you know, the safety position, but having taken a, a small dive this week, I saw that, well, I mean, I think many expected Todd Harris to be back there. Right. But I, I remember him having a, an injury or, or something. So it kind of put him in doubt for the start of the season. Uh, so even if he is there, you know, like you said, Tommy, we would get to it. So we're here. <laughs> Jay Ward was moved to that position. So when uh, I saw something this week where Durante Jones came in, he you know he looked at that position and he was like, well, uh, we're kind of thin, but, you know, who do we have that could step in? So he like went up to Jay Ward and asked him, even though he had never played anything but cornerback, you know, up to that point. And he said, yeah. Uh, I'd love it. I think he liked the challenge of it. He he also saw it as more playing time because are you going to, do you want to start at safety or do you want to be second or third string behind uh, Derek Stingley and Elias Ricks? You know, it's like, of course it's DBU. Who cares? Wherever, wherever you're at, you know, you're a DBU. So they, they started working him in that. And I think he's kind of just transitioned, you know, again, it's, it's summer and spring reports, but it, you know, it sounds like it was seamless. So but you know he had he showed enough I think at the end of last season to show that he can he could he could handle that role and it sounds like he has so far but it's like who is who is there beyond him um, hopefully Todd Harris comes back and he's able to play fine but if not you know we've heard good things about Major Burns and uh, an incoming freshman Sage Ryan so far uh, Major Burns I don't know if you guys saw it they you know because they release videos from practice and you know they'll give us some some little nuggets. To, to feed us until the game until the season starts did you see that one-headed grab by major burns in practice no i didn't see that yeah with the one-hand oh. like interception yeah it was yeah big, sweet oh, wow. play. yeah 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 the whole team erupted after that so uh i mean the guy's already got experience in the sec at georgia so uh it, it looks like he's 
he's he's he's holding his own just fine did uh, he did he play did he get a, a lot of playing time at georgia last year or did he kind not, of not that i'm aware of no. i think that's kind of what led him to transfer for the most part okay you know? but i mean he's played in games so it's not like he's completely green yeah no but, i mean i think that I, I i think that the depth at safety is it's not really a, a lack of bodies there's a lot of talented guys out there I mean, I remember when we were talking a, a year ago about, you know, recruit like Jordan Tolls, bringing Jordan Tolls in. He was a big time recruit. Um, so, and, and of course, Sage Ryan was like the best player or second best player in Louisiana this past year. So, um, Matthew Langlois is another guy who's coming in and, and he's, you know, supposedly really good. They, they like him. Um, and he's going to be somebody who, it's like he's kind of another dark horse where, and then of course, also Pig Cage, the transfer. Yeah, he's no. somebody who there's. I feel like there's a lot of bodies. It's it's more of it's not the depth. It's not like the worry of like we don't have anybody that can play this position. It's really we have a lot of guys who probably could, but it's like well, who's going to be the guy or and how are, how are they all going to fit together? I think you're right. I think Jay Ward's going to be that. He's probably going to be like that free safety guy. Um, the question is okay at at strong. Who are we going to? Who's going to replace the the spot that? um jacoby left and i think that um i don't know i I, i'd like to see maybe we can get Stuart on here Stuart hannah who's been on the podcast before because he coached pig cage so maybe we could talk to him maybe get a little inside information about you know what he thinks as far as going into going into this next season i know cage led he was like one of the i think he was a finalist for the top top defensive back award like the, the equivalent of the thorpe award in division two Wasn't yeah that right yeah as a true freshman as a true freshman is pretty impressive so like you know he obviously sec is a little bit different than that <laughs> well no but i mean but still that says something mm-hmm. like as a true freshman to make that jump so uh, you know he might be somebody to watch again matthew langwell like i said he's a guy who, who you might see um and then of course sage ryan who's the the highest rated safety you know in that last class so um there's a lot i think the depth it's not a question of depth as far as like we don't have anybody that can do it. I think it's just going to be who's going to step up. And will somebody step up? I hope somebody will. I think they will. And I think there's one element that, uh, that's been floating out there since, since last year that I think is going to be resolved by not just, you know, the, the players themselves, but you know, the coaches and what, what I've, uh, listen to some of the players and the coaches talk about was the communication last year, you know, cause last year they were in COVID and everything was kind of disjointed. You know, they would have, uh, they would have player and coaching meetings every now and then, but for the most part, you know, players were on their own. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't really inter interacting with each other. They would, you know, they were quarantined for the most part. So what a lot of the players talking about now is they're spending way more time together, way more time with the coaches, but, also, and I think it's probably more importantly, because, you know, when it's on the field, it's just the players. So they have to be able to communicate with each other. And there's the bond that, you know, kind of exists. The better the bond, I think the better the communication. You know, as, as Durante Jones was saying this week, there's like, you know, there's, there can't be any secrets. And it's not that you're intentionally trying to keep something from someone, but if, if the communication is not open, you're not going to just say something off the top of your head comfortably. Yeah. So what's well, like, you know, the, the players are talking about, yeah, we spend more time with each other. Like, like most of them are hanging out at Derek Stingley and Cordell Flats house from, from what they're saying. So, uh, you know, you got to think that's, that's great. If the communication's there, 
then that way they can cover each other. And that's where these, these big plays that were just gutting LSU last year, hopefully aren't going to occur because they're going to be covered. Well, and, right? and that's, I'm glad you mentioned that. I was listening to another, another SEC podcast called the, have you ever heard of the J boy show? You heard of this Scott? Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's, so he, Jake Crane, who's the host of that show. Um, he used to coach DBs before he started doing like podcasts full time or whatever. And he was talking about when he was coaching DBs, he was like, yeah, if you, if you're all wrong, the or if, if one of you is wrong, just everybody be wrong. Cause if you're all wrong, then you're actually all right. Cause it's like, it's, it's more about being in the same page. You know, it's like, if you're all in cover three, then it, it, but we all, but we called cover two. Well, at least you're all in cover three, but if one guy's in cover three and, and the rest is on this is on a different page, it's going to be screwed. You know, your defense is going to yeah. be screwed up. Yeah. So like, I think that's, yeah. And, and that was something that we did see last year. I remember um, that it's here. And I heard stories from people, you know, who were on the sidelines, like what, you know, during games and stuff where I, there were the players were just like, they didn't know what defense they were in. And some players were, were caught, were checking out of um, checking out of like calls made on the sideline and calling their own number to either go do a blitz or, or changing the place you know, completely. And it's like, wait, what are we doing? Are we going to go with what the coach said? Are we going to go with what this guy said? So having the communication on the same page, is uh and you see it you see it in the nfl you see it in in good college teams the dbs are always a, a good a good defensive back core is always talking to each other and and telling people you know okay hey i'm shifting over here you know this is the strong side we're gonna do this we're gonna do that so i think you're right um and you know if durante jo- durante jones is a is a db coach by trade so i'm sure he's getting that stri- straight out yeah he's not stepping on Corey raymond's toes because he doesn't have to uh, I mean, it's, it's DBU. So in, uh, I guess in uh, compliments to the defensive, well, the defensive secondary, you know, you got to, I think we should hit on the defensive line next because, you know, those two kind of work in tandem together because, you know, if, if the D line's getting pressure, uh, it makes the cornerback's job easier and vice versa. You know, there's, there's such thing as a coverage sack. So if the DBs, you know, if the DBs have all the wide receivers and tight ends covered, then that gives the defensive line time to, to get to the quarterback. So, um, and that was, I I think, you know, if it wasn't just the, the, the duo of Derek Stingley and Elias Ricks, and, you know, maybe we had that strong safety back there. If it wasn't them, it was also like our defensive line because kind of like our offensive line, you know, they have, plenty of good starters returning. So kind of like in 2019, you know, uh, Braden Fajoko decided to come back and Rashard Lawrence. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's just, uh, you had all that experience back there. And it's kind of like that this year because you have uh, Andre Anthony, who's coming back for his, I mean, he's a graduate student this point, but he's like his sixth year. <laughs> it's his sixth year. You got Ali Gay, who's a senior. You have Glenn Logan, who's a senior. You got Neil Farrell, who's a senior. And then you got the likes of, uh, you know, Jacqueline Roy, who was a, a really good freshman coming in, and then BJ Old Jalari. And now you have these in, other incoming freshmen of Mason Smith and Savion Jones. Uh, you know, there's others that, to be mentioned, but. It's like Kobe and Gillery. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Thank you. I, I forgot about him. 
but it's it's all so, we're so deep that it's easy to forget about these people <laughs> i know right so and it's not what you're used to thinking with lsu because usually it's like oh my god how are we going to plug and play but uh with the experience they have that allows these younger guys to rotate in even if just for a play or two right just to to relieve the uh the elder linemen to, for a, you know just to get a breather but I, I, I like I think this will be a strength going forward, but um, yeah, I, I kind of in addition to the uh, you know what the cornerbacks were talking about with just communication and being able to spend more time together, I, I think this could be a really solid unit. You know, it just depends if they stay healthy. Yeah, I, I agree a lot. And I think it's a position of like underrated strength for us this year. Yeah, like you said, with all the experience and depth, so both of those pieces working together, and I think that kind of core three. Uh, DNs between like Ali Gay, Andre Anthony, and BJ Ojolari is good. They we kind of learned those names last year, uh, and then I think they're going to step up on a bigger stage even more so uh, this year and just be havoc off the edge. And then like coming back on the the D tackles too, like Neil Farrell sat out last year with the COVID, and then Glenn Logan was hurt most of the year, so we didn't even see them in much action. Uh, so they'll be up the middle and then in their absence, like you said, Tommy Jacoby and Guillory and Jaquel and Roy, we're getting those snaps. So we have plenty of rotation there and I'm excited about that. And they both came on strong at the end of the year. Right. For sure. And then like you said about Mason Smith, like the reports are great about him and Savion Jones as well too, uh, out of St. James. So like, this is going to be something that I think we're really can lean on uh, and can cause a lot of havoc and, and turnovers. Um, to maybe ease up on some like linebacking, which where we'll probably say in a minute is maybe not quite our, our best. I think, I think this is clearly our deepest side of the, this might be our deepest part of the team. Like Mm -hmm. aside the offense, defense aside, we have so many highly rated, talented, proven defensive linemen. It's really, I mean, when you think about it, we really have three strings that most SEC teams would be happy to have as their, as their first string. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that our, when you think about like our third string being Mason Smith, Jacoby and Guillory, uh, and, and, uh, Jacqueline Roy being able to you know have those guys go in and out. I mean, can you, I can, I, I can totally see where uh, another SEC team would be like, well, we'll take those three and, and those will be our guys. So having them as, and we don't even need them to be, to be the backups. We can, we can, they can be the backups of the backups. So I think that um, that you're right, Daniel. That's going to be. I think if we can lean on them, we can really use that uh, that talent we have, and it is going to help our linebacking core because if you've got really really good defensive line play, that frees up so much space for for linebackers to not have to worry about shedding blocks as much, and they can really focus on making those making you know making good tackles, making good reads, and and making plays. Um, I guess that's a good segue to get into the linebackers because that is probably the the position of, I don't even want to say position of need because I think we do have talent, but it, it's almost kind of like what we said with, with safeties where we have a lot of talent there, but it's a lot of unproven talent. You know, Damone Clark, who was the guy who was supposed to be eight, he's 18. He's the kind of the leader. He was supposed to kind of come out strong, had an okay year. He's, you know, good, not great. Yeah. He wasn't Devin white. Wasn't uh, Patrick queen or, or, you know, any of these great linebackers we've had, then Micah Baskerville, who's someone who's, who's been highly touted, like since he stepped foot on campus, haven't seen much from him. Right. And then we, but we pick up 
a man named Bug, <laughs> Bug Strong, <laughs> Navantic Strong, and then also Mike Jones from Clemson. So before you know it, you know, we might, te- we might see two, sh- two absolutely like brand new linebackers starting for us who've never worn LSU colors before. Yeah. And like you said, the production is kind of iffy. Uh, we saw a big downturn in linebacking last year after like being very solid in 2019, Jabril Cox played well, but uh, even he in times had some, some down moments and the rest of the people was kind of just flat, not very dynamic. Um, and so they'll need to step it up, but yeah, not super deep here either. And we'll see if these new pieces that we added, like you said, Bug Strong and Mike Jones mesh with the system or if it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve uh, initially. I don't think so, considering the experience they've had in the past. Um, but yeah, we're going to need to, uh, the rest of our position groups to, to help us there. But you pretty much see like Jamone Clark as, you know, probably like the, uh, I don't even want to compare him to Devin White yet, right? But mm-hmm. like, as far as you know, for all intents and purposes, that, that'd be the guy that you would think is like the strongest of the group that's returning. Strongest meaning like physically strong, or strongest being like the most. Uh, I guess most impacts player at your position. You know, what I mean, I don't know. I from what I've heard, um, Bug Strong is people are people are really high on him. Of course, we didn't get to see him in the spring because I think he was injured of some for some reason, or he had some sort of injury. But um, I've heard, I've heard that he's going to be, you know, he might be the the one who kind of uh, who kind of breaks out. Okay, good. Um, and next man up, right? Yeah, no. And I, now, Damone Clark is. It's kind of it's it's. It feels like we get this a lot with LSU, where it's like the waiting game. Yeah, the people are like they're highly touted. It's like, okay, when are they going to make? When are they going to? When are they going to pop? When are they going to make their impact? So, um, you know, hopefully it happens this year for Damone Clark and uh, and, and Micah Baskerville and all of them. But you know, I'm just not. I, I don't know. I, I almost, if I had to bet right now, I'm probably. I'm. I guess I'm betting on either Strong or Mike Jones just because of where he's coming from at Clemson. Right. Or I. I guess my uh, my outsider would be uh, Jarrell Cherry, um, just just in case, because because we haven't mentioned him yet, <laughs> and he's in the mix. Well, and Philip Webb's another one who was highly highly rated, highly touted, you know, inside linebacker. Um, he, you know, he I think he he's gonna be what a sophomore this year. Yeah. So like you know, it might he he might need more time to develop as well, and he he might be kind of buried in the depth chart. But again, if if all if if all these players we're kind of talking about with all the questions, if none of them pan out, you might see a guy like Philip Webb going in. So that's somebody to watch for. Definitely. Definitely. Um, Wow. Sounds like that pretty much covered the, the defensive side of the ball there. I know we probably still should, you know, spend a little bit of time on special teams. We could do that next week, but yeah, obviously not too much. Uh, Although I, it is a very intricate part of the game and I I feel like LSU really can. uh, I mean, I, I think they're, their punting and kicking is is pretty much spoken for, but you know, as far as punt and kick returns, because that's something that we could really benefit from, you know, especially into a year where, uh, you know, your offensive uh, ex, you know, output is still yet to be determined. You know, new coach, new players, all that stuff. But I think we could devote some time to the special teams. But um, I did want to devote some time to uh, 
some some former LSU players that were uh, 11 purple living golds. And that would be specifically uh, one guy that, you know, entered the NFL Hall of Fame, and that would be Alan Fanica. And he spent guys, so many years in, in the NFL with different teams. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers m- most comes to my mind. But um, uh, what just a great guy. I mean, he just during his speech, you could he even mention, you know, LSU specifically, just the experience that he had there and how it just kind of, uh, you know, just gave him something to remember for the rest of his life. And you get that from a lot of former players too. So it's it's not just, you know, one guy just trying to, uh, t- toss out a, a tidbit to his alma mater, but it, it just seems to be a uh, you know a theme through and through. Uh, but congrats to him. And then I, I don't know um, as far as linemen go. You know LSU hasn't had. I don't know, it's not like they've been offensive linemen. You, but you know Alan Fanica. Uh, I mean Hall of Fame. That's Evan Why? That's, that's top of the line right there. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and my, my uncle Mike Duplantis, who was a guest on the podcast before, he was going to the ceremony. Was he there with Fanica? Yeah, he was yeah. going with the Fanica. It was yesterday uh, on Sunday, so that was pretty cool. And they're, they're friends, uh, former offensive linemen. Because he went with Kevin Mawai yeah, as well. He, yeah, he's very good friends with Kevin Mawai, and he went to his ceremony uh, last year. So that's pretty neat to, to check out. And like you said, probably Andrew Whitworth is heading to the yeah, hall, most likely. Yeah, in a few years when he's retired. And then I feel like there's one more that I'm kind of forgetting. Um, maybe like, Lael Collins. Uh, if he's got another, maybe good, like five or six years. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so congrats to him. Right on. Yeah. Uh, and then now there's all these, uh, these former Tiger gold medalists that we got to catch you up on. Now I'll be honest. I, I watched a lot more Olympics than I did the previous week, but I, I didn't write down all the names, but I know, quite a few LSU former Tigers got gold medals this week. Um, uh, we'll start off with women's basketball because this was like their, what, I think fifth gold medal in a row, which, you know, five is one, you know, it's not that big of a number, but if you consider that the Olympics happen every four years, that's the last 20 years. Uh, they've had that, that many. And uh, Sylvia Fowles got her gold medal for uh, for a uh, women's basketball. It's actually her fourth so uh, congrats to her. So that means she's been playing like United States women's basketball for 16 years. Yeah, it's been That's a while. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. All the other Tigers, they had gold medals because uh, there was two guys in track and field. Well, yeah, they had uh, Michael Cherry and Vernon Norwood were on the four, the four by four uh, team and they got gold. They dominated that when I watched that race, uh, which is pretty neat. And then, yeah, we mentioned Mondo Duplantis before. I think there was a girl on the team Canada soccer team that the one gold wish that could have been USA. Um, but yeah, I was happy that the U S won or got the most gold medals and the most total at the very end. They squeaked it out past China. Yeah. Um, yeah, they did. The, the it's kind of surprise. I, I thought, I thought we were going to have a disappointing year, but it ended up, uh, well, I think in terms of projections, we were still a little bit down. Um, but yeah, they, they survived because China had more golds, than us last time, I believe, uh, in Japan, I think we're a little bit disappointed with their home performance because they were thinking there's like a home boost or whatever, but they didn't really get there. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but I mean, come on, we're the, we're the U S so it's, <laughs> hmm. uh, anyway, congrats to everyone. And as of now, uh, Monday evening, the Olympics are 
officially over, at least for the U.S., but I think they're over for everyone right now. Closing ceremonies have already happened. Yeah. So another Olympics have come and gone. Um, I don't know. I, 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 Like I said, I watched a little bit more of them as it went on just because I either had more time or there was just, you know, it was more like the gold medal games. So you're not just watching days and days of preliminary matches on things, but uh, I ended up watching more. It was, it was nice to see some, some U S athletes win more, especially LSU players, obviously. But did you guys have a chance to watch more of the Olympics? Did you appreciate it more? I just, I don't know. It was, it was weird not having people in the audience, but like with the moments on the stands seemed more, you know, more, uh, I, don't know, I guess more meaningful. Uh, I checked out a few of the track things. I missed the one thing that I wanted to watch. I talked about it was the speed climbing. I watched some highlights afterwards yeah. and, and, and that was pretty cool. Uh, I ended up watching some of the marathon, the men's and the women's, which is not what I expected, but because they're just running and running. You watched the speed walking. Oh yeah. I watched uh, the, the power walking like 50 K <laughs> this guy's like swinging it around, shaking the hips. Um, I guess it takes a certain amount of skill. Uh, the guy, they all looked like they were about to die in the heat by the end, which yeah. I understand being from Louisiana. I, I, I watched the main thing I just watched was that basketball game, the final basketball game. Oh yeah. Team USA versus uh, France. That was yeah. good. Kevin Durant had the team on his back. I know. I was like, I, I, I was convinced that we were going to lose basketball, which I think anytime we lose basketball is an embarrassment. Right. Um, but I'm glad. Agreed. That, uh, Fully agree. When we invented the sport, like <laughs> we have to, we have to win it. Um, but I'm right. glad we I'm glad we got that win. I don't know. I just you know, I've there have been a few Olympics where I've got gotten into it and been excited about it and stuff, especially like when Phelps was swimming and all that. I just feel like this year just didn't have it. Well, it's because yeah, like before we had Phelps and Usain Bolt, and it yeah. was that was like must see TV. Yeah, you, you just have everybody watches that. And this it was a little bit lesser extent with um Simone Biles, but then when that and thing she, kind, like, of fell, kind of Thing. fell apart then it was like well where do we go from here and unfortunately we didn't have any like kind of top top name athletes other than i guess like kevin durant with the basketball um yeah kevin durant um i guess that swimming guy yeah caleb dressel yeah. like the new michael phelps so he's gonna be the big pump in 2024 in yeah. paris they're gonna say like he's gonna go for a bunch of medals and um, maybe brooks curry uh true he could he could still be around kicking hopefully yeah. he gets another one in his jorts <laughs> those tiger jorts uh but anyway so uh that i wanted to uh touch on one other thing because you know all these nfl teams are starting to you know go through their roster starting to cut guys starting to name starters uh the titans actually named christian fulton as a starter and you know who to thunk you know a guy that kind of sat out for a year and but here he is did you guys see that or no yeah, I saw it. Um, I'm excited for him. He was always really talented and kind of got the raw yeah. end of that deal when he had to sit out. Um, Cause it wasn't, it something like he failed a drug test, but then like they tested him again and he like passed. So like they couldn't, yeah. it was like he was sitting out, but they couldn't like prove that he actually did anything wrong. I don't know. It was a right. weird situation. Um, yeah. And, and kind of another, another reason why it's something we talked about, especially like when we talk about Tyron Matthew, it's like, the LSU drug policy is just kind of, in fact, and, and it's what um, uh, Dar, uh, Dare Rosenthal tweeted. At, no, was it Dare Rosenthal? No, it was Tyler Sheldon, maybe. When Dare Rosenthal left LSU, which everybody kind of agrees is because of, he failed a drug test. Uh, I think it was Tyler Sheldon, a, a former LSU player, uh, tweet, like tweeted out that LSU's drug drug policy like holds them back. 
basically. And that it, you know, that, that they're, that the way that they enforce and not that like you shouldn't have a drug policy or not that you shouldn't enforce it, but just the way that they, the, the difference in LSU's compared to all the other SEC schools causes them to lose, to lose these players. Um, and we saw it with Tyra Matthew. We saw it with Michael Divinity. And now we saw it with Dare Rosenthal. And same thing with Christian Fulton. Um, and of course he ended up coming back and playing and starting for us, but, uh, you know, I, I, so I'm happy for him. I'm glad he's going to get a, a starting job. That, that's exciting. Yeah. I saw the former LSU wide receiver, DJ shark just broke his finger Oh no! too. Yeah. And so he's supposed to be out at least until the start of the season, maybe longer, which kind of sucks for him. He's had flashes of really good play in the two years he's been with Jacksonville and he's been hurt a lot too. So he was a um, fantasy, a fantasy killer for me mm-hmm. last year. Also heard that Grant Delpit might be having some more like injury problems with the Cleveland Browns after oh. he missed all last year with the Achilles. Mm. Um, so I don't know why our players. I said it before, like all our players are just, like not busts, but we have a lot of problems in the <laughs> NFL for whatever reason. Like everybody just goes downhill, except for Devin White. It, yeah, I, I'm still just time. <laughs> so I saw something uh, this week that I, I wanted to present to you guys. But, you know, when Daniel said we're going to probably do our predictions like right before, I thought, all right, well, I'll save one of them for then because it was basically a prediction on LSU's win-loss total for the season. But um, considering that it is starting the first week of, you know, fall camp and we're fully on into it, uh, I just wanted to go over their overall odds. You know, they, I guess the, you know, the the biggest odds that you could get would be the uh, odds to win. Well, I don't know if it would be the national championship, but let's just say to make the playoff. I think um, online sportsbook had LSU at a plus 5,000. So I'm not an avid enough better to know exactly what that means, but I feel like that's not, it's, that's not easy odds, right? <laughs> like th- that's saying that there's, there's very little chance that that's going to happen. Tommy, uh, Dan, you guys can can chime in here, please, because I'm not quite sure what plus 5,000 would mean. I just feel like it's – that means the odds are very much stacked against them, right? Yeah, that means they have a 1 in 50 chance of winning the championship. I just looked it up. I'm seeing plus 2,500, so 1 in 25 chance to win. Okay. Uh, and even I think – I think maybe at 5,050 to 1 – I think it's actually a pretty pretty good number. That can be that can be a reasonable twenty five to one. And I'm not sure the odds on favorite, of course, Alabama at plus two hundred. So that's like saying they have like one one out of every three times they win the championship, which I guess is reasonable, even with a freshman quarterback. Uh, and then after that, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. Um, but yeah, I mean LSU is going to be tough, but. They weren't expected to win in 2019, and they did. Although we had a good, pretty good 2018 season before that. Yeah, but there's going to be that avid fan that you know might be in Vegas on a holiday and just looking at the sports book and looks at the odds and says, "Dude, my Tigers are way better than this." And he puts down some money, and then like in 2019, he's you know it's like the week before the the final game, and he's like in has a chance to win you know a million plus. Uh, there's that guy. So I, if I was in Vegas, I'd say, yeah, why not? Right? Like if the odds are that much stacked against you, uh, all the more reason to buy, right? I don't think there are 49. I don't know. I don't think there are 49 better teams than LSU. 
they could win. They could win. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Well, I don't think it works quite exactly like that because if you have a team that's supposedly like way better, well, like, they're going to win a bigger chunk of the pie. Yeah. But still, like I mean, I st- I still think LSU is like a top ten team. So I think I mean I think there's a, there's a half. I don't think I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put my money on the LSU winning the national championship. But um, I think we I think we definitely contend, and we'll get into this like you said. But I think we definitely contend for a playoff spot this year. I don't know if we're gonna get it. I don't know if we're gonna. Uh, but I think we'll I think we'll be in that you know in that middle of the season when it's like when there are a bunch of teams kind of in that conversation. I think we'll be in that conversation. Now. Um, can we, can we remain in that conversation? You know, we're going to have to beat Alabama at Alabama. We're going to have to go and play. Uh, we're going to have to beat a good A&M team. But, and, and I mean, those are tall tasks. But I, like I said, I think we'll be in the conversation. Yeah, and like m- what most pundits have said is if, if LSU was to have two guaranteed losses, it would probably be those teams you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I could, I could beg to differ on one or the other. I, I still am not convinced that, AM's guaranteed to beat LSU any year. Yeah. Uh, Alabama, I don't know. I I I I couldn't commit fully, you know, because it's Alabama and Nick Saban. But uh, you know, having said that, I think that's probably a good place for us to leave this so that we can continue next week on our, our further assessment as things go and uh you know whatever information comes down the pike. So I'd say we could uh we could table that for now and uh re redress it next week. But I don't know. Do you guys have anything else you wanted to toss out there before we head out? Uh, not really. Let's build the suspense for the season. The there podcast go. to go after this. There you go. Yep, Tommy. Nothing. Three else. podcasts till uh, till Pasadena. So I'm excited about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that could probably be a Beach Boys song. Uh, <laughs> but uh, until then, we'll uh, we'll see what happens the rest of this week uh, as, as as camp rolls along and they actually put the pads on. And, you know, that's what separates the men from the boys. So we'll see what happens there and any other news that comes out. And we will have that for you next week here on Talking Ticks. So until then, stay safe, stay tuned, and we'll talk to you next time here on Talking Ticks.